I would invite you to turn um, back with me to those verses we read together in uh, Acts uh, chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 and uh, that first section from verse 1 to verse 7. Now, if anything's become clear to me over the past 18 months or so of ministry in London, it is that everyone has an opinion about what should happen in the life of the church. People ask around, you know, everyone has an opinion about what should uh, people wear to church. Everyone has an opinion about what should be sung in the life of the church. And I guess perhaps most notably, uh, everyone has an opinion about how long that guy at the front of the church should speak for uh, in a service. Well, in some ways, uh, that sort of stuff doesn't really matter all that much. Because thankfully, God has also told us what he likes and what he doesn't like in the life of the church. And and this passage of scripture that we are in today, um, in this we come to a, a section that really helps us to determine and to define something of what that is. Now, what we've got here at the beginning of Acts chapter 6 is really quite a significant marker in uh, the book of Acts. Because you'll recall what we've seen. You'll recall what we saw as being the theme verse for this book. The verse that will tell us what was going to happen in the book of Acts. Do you remember? It was uh, chapter 1 verse 8. And there we were told that what was going to happen in the book of Acts was that it was going to document the church being Christ's witnesses first, the first part of Acts, Christ's witness in Jerusalem. Then the next bit, it would document the church being Christ's witnesses in all Judea and Samaria. And then the last bit of Acts, we'd see more about the church being Christ's witnesses to the ends of the earth. That was the theme verse. Well, see what's happened. In the first five chapters of Acts, we've seen the first part of that fulfilled, haven't we? We've seen the church be Christ's witnesses in the city of Jerusalem. What happens here and now is that things change. See, from this point on, the sort of scope or the horizon of the church, it kind of shifts slightly. And from chapter 6, we see the witness of the church, not just in Jerusalem, We see the witness of Christians beyond that city's bounds. And as we'll hopefully see this morning, um, this section in particular is one that deals with, yes, something of these characteristics and the necessary traits of the church. But it's also a passage that deals with the necessary organization and structures of a church. Let's think about the first of three very simple headings this morning. Let's think about the essence of the problem that we read in these verses. The essence of the problem that Acts 6 tells us about. Now, with the sort of economic uh, problems that have engulfed uh, the United Kingdom over the last, what would it be, 10 years, maybe even 15 years. There's been a lot more talk, a lot more sort of visibility given to um, what's called emergency food banks, hasn't there? 
You know, these places, emergency food banks, have been popping up all over the country. Places where food is given uh, to people with the greatest need. Emergency food banks. Now, that's the sort of thing that we've got to be thinking about when we're looking at Acts chapter 6, isn't it? Because here we've got a problem that emerges with it within the church, a problem that revolves around that, revolves around the unfair distribution of food and provisions to widows and to those who are really, really struggling to survive. And the first thing that we need to be thinking about, first thing we've got to notice, is who is involved in this problem. So did you see that? Did you see who's involved? We are told of Gresham Jews. And they were speaking against Hebraic Jews. Okay, so what's that? Well, we've got Grecian Jews. So we have got to be thinking and realize that in this church, <coughs> they were a group of Greek-speaking Christians. So, so guys, men and women from uh, north of Israel, in the diaspora, and they have moved into Israel, let's say. They've settled in Jerusalem. They've heard the gospel. They've been and they've joined the church, Greek-speaking Jews. Then we've got, what's the other group? Hebraic Jews. So we've also got another sort of faction of group that are Aramaic speaking. So people who have lived in Israel all their lives, let's say. They're in Jerusalem. They've heard the gospel. They've been saved. They've joined the church. You with me so far? We've got two groups, Gresham Jews, Hebraic Jews, both inside the church. That's who's involved. But I wonder, because of that, do you begin to see what's kind of undercutting this problem? Do you see the essence of this problem in Acts 6? Because it ain't so much about a lack of food, is it? As it is about favoritism. As it is about factions developing. Because look, this complaint that these Grecian Jews take the, to the apostles, it's that... The Hebraic Jews have been unfair. The complaint is that the Hebraic Jews, they have been sort of, uh, they've been making sure that it's the Hebraic widows that get their fill before anybody else in the church gets anything. So it's, it's, it's about favoritism, this. It is about factions within the church. That's the essence of the problem. So with that said, what is it that we should be thinking about from these verses? What is it that we should be learning here from that situation that should colour the life of London City Presbyterian Church? Well, I don't want to labour the point, really, because I'm kind of keen to get to the other material, if I'm honest. And also partly because we've looked at it before, however, briefly. But we do need to posit this, because what we're seeing here are the problems that come when factions begin to develop in the life of a congregation. I'll say that again. Think about it, please. What we're seeing in Acts 6 are the problems that emerge when factions groups develop within the life of the congregation and for us just like for every other congregation in the whole world that is a danger so before we move on let me issue two warnings to the congregation 
firstly to the younger people of London City Presbyterian Church. Now, there's much um, in the, 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 the life of the, the church here that has been set up to minister to you guys, to the younger people, isn't there? To you and to your needs. So for the younger guys, we've got a sort of mentoring program, don't we? And we've got these uh, 20s and 30s meetings, meeting every couple of weeks. We've even got a bright, shiny, new, young elder uh, for, for you guys uh, to relate to. But the danger is with that, that, that you as young people, unintentionally perhaps, become segregated from the, the other age groups within the church. And so what I want to say to you just now, to the 20s and 30s here, is that it is vitally important that you also attend the multi-age meetings at the church. That for your own spiritual good, that you would attend the house groups, that you attend the prayer meetings, that you mix with older Christians. Now, you come back to me on that and say, okay, it sounds all right, but why is that so important? Well, you see, as you guys attend the house groups, as you attend the prayer meetings, what's going to happen? You're going to hear older Christians pray, aren't you? You're going to hear and see how older Christians relate to God, how they relate to other other people. You're going to hear about Christian life experience. Hopefully, as you younger people go to the house group, go to the prayer meeting, you are going to see older, godly lives in action. You're going to see examples to live following. So please, young people, do not begin to form a faction or a group within the church. And then, perhaps to the, to the older people of the congregation, a slightly more simple warning, if we want to call it that. Over the last number of months, God has really blessed the congregation with an increasing number of young people, certainly in the 20s and 30s group. So please do not resent that. Do not resent them. Do not sort of begin to pull back from the younger people and to form a faction of similarly aged people. Instead, see the amazing opportunity that God has given for you to provide examples to the younger people. I mean, invite these people to your to your homes, not just on a Sunday. Really open up your lives to the younger people. That yes, you will befriend them, but that you might also teach them in godliness. You see, that the problem in Acts chapter 6 was a problem that arose because of the beginnings of factions within the church. At LCPC, let us just fight against that. Let's try and stamp out such a problem in this place. So we see this problem of favoritism, a problem of poor relief. Let's now think uh, together about how this problem, this problem especially of poverty and poor relief, let's see how it was remedied. So a second thing to consider is the resolution of this problem. We've seen the essence of the problem. Now, what about this, the resolution of this problem of poor relief? And what we find, eh, folks, when we look at this text, 
is that the twelve apostles take the lead on this, don't they? They see that, yep, okay, there is a problem with how the food is being distributed, and they set about trying to resolve it. Now, here's the thing. Please note what the twelve apostles do to resolve it. Do you see? They highlight the need for men to be set aside for this task of helping the poor. They see people have to be set aside to do this. And I guess we should also note that they give the congregation the say in who those uh, seven men should be. Now again, with that, what should we be thinking for the life of London City Presbyterian Church? Well, sometimes it seems as though organisation is a four-letter word. The organisation is a swear word within the life of church, doesn't it? There seems to be something that's just inbuilt within us that revolts at the mere thought of a rota being emailed out to us. We despise these things, it would seem. But really what we're seeing in Acts chapter 6, in the setting aside of some people for one task and other people for another task, what we're seeing is the great importance of organization within the life of the church. You see, think about this. The church of God on earth is to reflect the glory and the character of the God of heaven. Think about that. The church on earth is to be a sign. It is to be a symbol of what God, our God, is like. And what is our God like? Well, what do we see in Genesis 1? What do we see in this beautiful plan of redemption that flows through Scripture? We see that our God is this God of method. And then what about what we see in his very nature as well? Our God is a triune God. Our God is a a God who in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is organized. A God who in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a God who is working perfectly together within himself. So what does that mean for the church? It means that we are to reflect that beautiful method, that perfect order. So the church is to be organized. But I would say that perhaps what we see in Acts chapter 6 is more than that. We are to be organized in helping the poor. We are supposed to be organized in mercy ministry. Now, there's lots that we can sort of pause there and think about practically. But before we do that, let me just say, what we're going to look at here is not about the church helping the poor outside of the congregation. Now that's important, you know, that we help the poor of the world. That's vital. And we will look at that in the next few weeks, months. But you see, what's the passage here about? Acts chapter 6 is about poor relief of widows who were within the church. Hebraic, Jewish, Christian widows. 
people within the congregation. So what we're dealing with here is mercy ministry within our Christian family. So what about those or a few practical pointers or applications for us to chew on? Well, what about this? (coughs) First of all, when it comes to mercy ministry, when it comes to struggling financially, we have to be willing to be helped by the church. We have to be willing to be helped by the church. Now, that is not easy, is it? Um, Our reluctance um, with this is uh, probably one of the greatest stumbling blocks to this sort of mercy ministry that we read of in Acts chapter 6, because like the rest of the world, our pride comes in, doesn't it? And even though we're Christians, we find it very, very difficult to speak to each other when we are struggling materially. But I urge you to think about this. Perhaps it is through our financial hardship that God is going to bring us and the congregation to spiritual maturity. Perhaps that's God's plan. Perhaps God will use our financial struggles to teach us, but also to teach our brothers and sisters about humility and about love. We have to be willing to talk to each other when we are struggling financially. Second application, well, simply put, (laughs) we need to give financially to the congregation, don't we? I mean, I don't really need to spell it out. How can a church provide support for poor outside the church or inside the church if a church has no funds? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So we need to give financially. And then the third practical application is this. We need to be alert to any signs of need from our brothers and sisters in the church. We need to be looking for these things. We need to be alert to them. Think about it. Are people, your friends in the church, are they not meeting up with you as regularly as they used to do? Are people now not meeting up for coffee and suggesting that you do other free things? Are people resistant to traveling across London? (laughs) Could be for any number of reasons, couldn't it? But with unemployed people in the church, the students in the church, with all the financial pressures that are on families, it could be that we have people who are materially struggling within this congregation. You see, think about what we've just seen. The church is to reflect the glory and the character of God. We should be looking around. We should be merciful to each other. Why? Because God himself in the giving of his own son, has been immeasurably merciful to us. So we see the essence of the problem, and we also see the resolution of the problem. Let's close with a third thing that we note from Acts 6. Let's see the priorities that are revealed by this problem. The priorities that are revealed. Now, certainly if you are an older Christian, 
uh, in the room this morning. And I've got no doubt that if you were to look back over your life, <coughs> that you would be able to cite examples of problems and difficulties, things that now, with hindsight, you can look back on and see how God has used these difficulties to teach you valuable spiritual lessons. I mean, it's a common testimony, isn't it? That God sometimes uses uh, difficult situations to provide vital truths, vital lessons to us individually, but also collectively. And really that is what we've got in Acts chapter 6. Because we have God through this problem with, with food distribution, we have him teach the fledgling New Testament church valuable lessons about their practice, valuable lessons about the priorities of the church. And really what we see here are two leadership roles begin to emerge. Two leadership roles. Because like the Greeks, these Greek-speaking guys, they come to the apostles, Men are then chosen. And then we have this separation of uh, leadership, church leadership, into two factions, don't we? We've got spiritual leadership with the apostles. But we've also got now material leadership with these seven men that are chosen. Now, hear this. These roles are very much in their infancy here aren't they? And they will certainly be established later in the Pauline epistles. But what we need to understand is that Acts 6 is foundational in understanding the emergence particularly of the role of deacons in the church. And what we're told about these seven deacons here is really quite helpful for us as a congregation. See, here's a question for you. Can you see what the only piece of advice, can you see what the only piece of guidance is here that the apostles give to the church in who to pick to be these seven deacons? Do you see what it is? What's the only piece of advice the apostles give them? See, it's in verse 3. They say that men who are chosen here should be full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, it means that the next time we as a church are involved in choosing deacons, okay, men who are involved in the material running of the congregation, what must we do? We must choose men who are holy. We must be looking to appoint Men who are spiritual, even the material running in the church. Men who are pursuing righteousness. Men who are spiritually wise. Men who Paul would later tell us are. Keep hold to the deep truths of the faith. So we see something about deacons. They are to be spiritual men. But that said... And despite this passage being so clearly about helping the poor, let me close by suggesting that the most important thing that we learn from Acts chapter 6, the 
most important lesson. It concerns the spiritual leadership of a church. The spiritual leadership. Because you see, when this, this, this whole thing happens, this whole sort of problem explodes and the Greeks come to the apostles and they say, look, there's, there's a problem with the food and people are not getting enough. Do you see what the apostles do? The apostles say, no, actually, okay, we get it that there's a problem, but we are not going to be the ones to undertake this task. Do you see that? The apostles say, it would not be right for us to be the ones who do this. Now, why did the apostles say that? I mean, is it just that these these apostles were snobs? Is that what it is? Do they kind of look at this job of feeding widows and, and feeding poor people and think, well, that's kind of beneath us. I'm not getting my hands dirty. Is that what it was? Well, no, it is not what it was. Because we are told that the spiritual leadership delegated this material problem. Do you see why? So that they would not neglect prayer that they would not neglect the ministry of the word. And with that, I'm going to do a cruel thing and put a few people on the spot. Because I would say to the elders of this congregation, I would say to the ministry students of the congregation, as I would say to myself, we have to cherish and embrace the priorities that the apostles put before us here. We've got to make sure that nothing comes in the way of our devotion to praying for the congregation. That nothing comes in between us ministering to the people of God with the word of God. Because spiritual leadership is at its core Bible-based leadership. And I would say to you all, the whole congregation, have a look at verse 5. Because we are told there that this whole proposal, you know, these priorities, make sure you've got spiritual deacons. Make sure that the spiritual leadership are devoted to the word. These priorities that pleased the whole church. And I end with this. I love literary devices in Scripture, you know? Devices that God has put in the Bible to draw our attention to specific things. I love them. And as you will know, because I'm always banging on about them, my favorite literary device is called an inclusio, where a passage of Scripture begins and ends in the same way, so so that God highlights a point from his word. So you know what I'm going to say? Do you see the inclusio in Acts chapter 6? In this portion of scripture? Do you see it? At the beginning, verse 1. And at the end of the section, we are told the same thing. We are told that the word of God spread. It spread. Is that not a great encouragement for us? That as a congregation, as we get organized, as we get organized in serving people, if we prioritize the word of God, that same word is going to spread. It is going to progress. And guess what? It is going to change lives in the power of Jesus Christ by the grace of God. 
Friends, let's ensure that God's priorities for his church, as we see them in Acts chapter 6, are the same priorities as the people of London City Presbyterian Church. Let's pray.